picture is burned in my memory. It was HT, Stephen, and Sean in the back seat. So, as you know, I was a youth minister for many, many years, and we decided that we were going to take a trip down to Los Fresnos, Texas, down near the Texas-Mexico border near Brownsburg, and work with a ministry down there of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. This group was from Central Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and we gathered a group of high schoolers. And about the first to middle of June, we all got together. And for many of these young people, it, may have, it was the first time on a plane. We boarded it in Louisville and flew to McAllen, Texas. We stepped off the plane there in McAllen, and it just about took our breath away. The heat was crazy. It was already 97 degrees, and it felt like 120. The kids were just like, I mean, they had never been in heat like this before. It was so much fun to kind of watch them kind of get, um, to take it all in. Especially as we drove around and picked up our rental cars, and there was 20 of these high schoolers waiting outside of this little rental car area and they're just trying to find shade and escape from the heat. Chad, we're so thirsty. Can we stop? Yes. So we pulled over to a local Circle K, and the kids all piled out of the minivans and made their way in to get something to drink. I went in as well, got me something, went back, sat in the car, looked up in my rearview mirror, and there they were. H.T., Stephen, and Sean, each with a cup. 44 ounces of pure soda enjoyment. It was not as much a cup as they had taken a two-liter, made it bigger, and cut off the top. I said, what is that Mountain Dew? I was like, are these kids ever going to sleep? I was like, 44 ounces of soda? I was like, it seems a little wasteful. No, 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 Chad. We're going to drink it all. Two hours later, oh, we finished it, Chad. I was like, do you feel hydrated? I don't know. They wanted more. But more is not always better. I've told some of you this story about the time when um, I was in seminary, and it was in between J-term and the start of the spring semester. I had an, an evening all by myself. I didn't have responsibilities at the church that I served as a, as, a, um, as a youth intern, and so I had the whole night free. I decided I was going to do something. I was going to go out, and I was going to get one of those blooming onions at, like, Outback, and I was going to take it back to my house. I was going to then go by Blockbuster. If you don't know what that is, I will talk later. But um, went by Blockbuster, got myself a videotape, went back to my room there at the seminary, popped it in, and I said, you know, I'm just going to eat a little bit of this lumen onion and save the rest for later. 
I ate about a quarter of it. I was like, man, this is good. I'm just going to have a little bit more. Well, then I'd eaten half. You know, I'm just going to have a little bit more. There was only a third of it left, maybe a fourth. I was like, well, I can't save the rest of this thing. I ate the whole blooming onion. That was the last blooming onion I ever ate. Sometimes more is not always better. But we get that in this season, though. Isn't this a season of more? Our story today, the piece that we get from this letter in Thessalonians, is all about the things that are around us that are blessings. Paul and those who served in ministry with him are riding back to this church in Thessalonica to to reconnect with them. They spend the first three chapters of this letter saying thank you to all of the different people that have been there for them on this journey. Thanking different folks for the ways that they have ministered with them during this time. Thanking them for the things that they have seen happening in the church and also giving thanks to God for the ways that God has continued to be with them along the way. There is so much to be thankful for within the first part of this text. Paul is so thankful for many, for so much of the stuff that is in his life. But this is the point in the text when it begins to shift a little bit. Because what he is writing to them about is that they have become uncomfortable as a church. They had been formed as a church on this idea of the stories of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and how they would live out that way of living. But it was always said, Jesus died, he was resurrected, and he will be returning soon. And they interpreted that language. They thought about it in a way that Jesus would be returning very soon to change things up, to bring things to a new existence. And the thing is, is that they've now gone a while in this church, and Jesus has not returned. And so they wondered, what is it that we are waiting for? What is it that we should be doing in the midst of all of this? And there was unrest as to how they should live, how they should talk, how they should act, what they should be doing. What more is asked of us, they were saying, before Jesus comes back. And so... This letter seems to meet the people in a place of unrest, of just, we feel like that those folks were looking around and seeing the world and thinking, it's just not right. When is it going to change? Paul and his friends in ministry addressed this by saying, 
Thank you. But what's interesting about this is that Paul does something very interesting within this text. And he begins to get us to think a little bit differently about life and how we relate to it. The question that they kept asking and sending to Paul was, what should I be doing during this time? And Paul responds back to them with, we are doing this together. He shifts this understanding. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that the apocalypse is not about the end of the world. It is about a change in everything, a change so great that nothing looks the same, but that the apocalypse, this change is all about us and not we. And it is not about continuing to add two things, but instead finding ways of connecting. I have to admit The more I look around, the more I want more in my life, especially when I find a good thing. When I have a specific time that I'm able to connect with my kids, I want more of those opportunities. If I find a good new artist, I want to find more about that artist. I want to hear more of their music. For, for my birthday, Melissa got me uh, Dave Grohl's autobiography that he wrote, and uh, his new book that he wrote. I've been just like trying to find more and more clips of his music and the ways that he plays and, and the places that he's gone as I hear and read about these stories. I want more about that. I want to know the deeper story behind that. I have to admit in church, when I read stories like this in the book of Thessalonians, I want to find more articles. I want to find more things that help me to understand it in a deeper way. I want to find more things to add to it. I want more depth. I want more meaning. I want to connect more and more. But the problem that I continue to find is that there is a finite amount of existence and a finite um, kind of amount of time that we have. And so one of the things is, is the more that I try and add to my life, the more I feel like other things seem to be slipping away that I find less and less of this over here while I'm trying to find more and more over here. And I also find, too, that within our time and within our, um, our culture right now, the push is not just about more depth and more meaning and connection. It's also about more stuff, more things. I mean, just a very 
kind of a quick run through of the grocery stores and the department stores and things like that, there is more and more and more product out there right now. I have received the amount of emails that I got reminding me of Black Friday this last week. And thank goodness I got a whole bunch of emails yesterday that reminded me, just wait, there's more Black Friday to come. And don't worry, more Cyber Monday is coming. There's more and more. There's a push to gather and to, and to not just grab those pieces of more that we want, but to also fill ourselves with that more of things, more stuff. So if we can't find the depth, if we can't find the meaning, if we can't find the connection, we can at least make it more with the things. And then we come to Advent. And God calls us to more. And at the same time, what God calls us to is more light in this world. Not just the twinkly lights, not the ones that flash and, and go on and off and spell something that we stick up in our front yard. No, we're talking about the light that we share in daily ways with the people that we meet. Our friends and our family, but also the folks that we come in contact with in a daily way of sharing the light of God in a world that is so full of pain. God calls us to more understanding. And that means we have to listen a little bit more, not just to the music or the music that continues to kind of flood us from all places and, and things like that, but instead to listening to those around us, to the family members that are there, but also to those that are on the outside, those that are cast aside. Maybe their voices have been lessened or just ignored all along. It's important for us to seek more understanding by listening to all of God's children. God calls us to more of a giving heart. Ways that we will share ourselves. Yes, it is fun to kind of find those gifts for the folks in our lives that, that are close to us. And still, it's also important for us to find ways to give to others. Not just like bringing in some canned goods here, which is a tangible way that our young people can do that. It's a way they can start living it out. But how is it that we share, that we give of ourselves more while still feeding ourselves at the same time. How does that all work? That's a, re that's a relationship, that's an, a, a way of living out God's call in our lives that shares who we are. And finally, finally God calls us to more of seeing God's incarnational love in this world. 
That's what's so beautiful about this time of Advent and Christmas, that Jesus comes in a way that shows us what God's, look, God's love looks like in a way that we are not expecting it. Especially in that time and in that place. Right now, we, we celebrate children and babies in a much different way than they did back then. But the thing is, is that when we look at babies, we see them as something that is weak, something that needs caring for. And instead, God says, in this baby, I will bring hope. I will bring peace and love and joy. This is what God's love looked like, lived out in human form. And it is this season of Advent and Christmas that we see how God will continually change the world. Through God's actions and also through our own, as we continue to seek to live lives of importance, of service, and depth. My prayer is this for us, is that this season we can seek more, but that it might come out of a place of joy and gratitude, and that it, might, must, that it must always, we must always make sure that it is for the whole community, for all of God's people. And it does not just serve us individually. There's more to this story that is to come. More that we will experience within this season. My prayer is that we get to do that together. Let's see what more. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again. And may you know joy in powerful ways this week.